You're listening to the Murder Speaks Podcast, the show that spills the tea about true crime. Here's your host, Wendy Hinbest. Hey guys, welcome back to Murder Speaks. Hope everyone's having a great week. So today's real crime story is about Don Marie Viens. 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 I do apologize if I'm not saying the name correctly. It's about 39-year-old Don Marie Viens. She was born in March 1970, and she is the daughter of Michael and Mary Ann Brink Pappen. She graduated from BHS in 1988 and attended Trinity College. Now, she met David during the 1990s when David was still married to his first wife. Now, at that time, the couple lived in Lomita, California, and they had just opened up a restaurant in the area called Time Contemporary Cafe. Now, David and Dawn lived in a two-bedroom apartment, and they'd been together for over 15 years. David was a chef, and Dawn helped out in the restaurant. Now, they generally worked together in the restaurant. They appeared to love each other, and they worked well together. They argued sometimes, like other couples, but they always made up, and nobody ever saw David be physically violent towards Don. Now, David had three children from a previous marriage, including 19-year-old daughter, Jacqueline. Now, Jacqueline was close to both her father and Don, and lived with them for a period of time when she was a teenager. Now, as described by Jacqueline, both David and Don were heavy drinkers, and Don would drink throughout the day. Now, they occasionally drank together, and they did drugs together from time to time. Now, when Jacqueline and her siblings were younger, David used to joke with them that if he ever had to get rid of a body, he would just cook it. Now, in spring 2009, David and Don opened up their restaurant in Lomita, California, Time Contemporary Cafe. Now, the restaurant was typically open from Tuesday to Saturday but was closed for a major remodeling between May and September 2009. Now during that time, David spent long hours working on the remodel, while Don supported them financially by working as a waitress at another restaurant. Now once the Time Cafe opened, David was the chef and Don was the hostess and the server. So you're planning to hang out with some friends or go to the gym and you don't know what to wear, even though your closet is full and your drawers are so stuffed that they won't shut, you feel like you have nothing to wear and you're so bored of all of your clothes. This is why Crystal Kiss offers a wicked selection of true crime merch to bring your wardrobe to life. From hoodies, leggings, and t-shirts to joggers, crop tops, and tank tops, Crystal Kiss has you covered. Offered in so many designs, Crystal Kiss can make you stand out and feel dazzled. Make a fashion statement with Crystal Kiss. Check out crystalkiss.com today. Joe Kakassi owned a motorcycle repair shop that was located in the same shopping center as the Time Cafe. Now Joe had a friendly relationship with both Don and David, and he saw them at the restaurant on a daily basis. Now during the summer of 2009, Don gave Joe an envelope with $640 cash inside and asked him to hold onto it for her. She told him that it was a nest egg that she wanted to put away for later. Karen Patterson was an interior designer for restaurants, and she was a close friend to David and Don for many years. In 2009, 
She worked with David on the remodel of the Time Cafe, and she saw David and Don at the restaurant several times a week. Now during the summer, Karen and Don became very close after Don's mother passed away of cancer. On one occasion in August of 2009, Karen noticed red marks on Don's neck. And when Karen asked Don about it, Don started crying and said that David had been drinking and tried to choke her. Don told her that David had been very angry with her and there had been other incidents where David tried to hurt her. Don called Karen late one night and told her that she had locked herself in her bathroom. She told Karen that David was very angry with her and she was scared that David was going to beat her. Now Karen wanted to call the police, but Don told her not to because she was afraid that David was going to lose his restaurant. So Don decided to just wait in the locked bathroom until David fell asleep. So Don called Karen back later on and said that David was asleep and that she was going to be okay. Now Donna Morton lived in the same apartment complex as Don and David. Now she too can hear them yelling and screaming, but she can understand what he was saying and it sounded like objects were being thrown around in the apartment. After about 15 minutes, Donna Morton saw Don storm out of the apartment and that was the last time she saw her. Now when Donna Morton asked David about what happened, he told her that him and Don were no longer together because she didn't want him to stay in the restaurant business. He also told her that Don had a drinking problem and she refused to go to rehab. So she went to go live in the mountains and a former business associate of his family. Now on the evening of Sunday, October 18th, 2009, Stagnito went to the Time Cafe to install a pan and pot rack in the kitchen. Now at about 10 p.m. after completing the installation, Stagnito sat down with David and another man who was interviewing for a chef position. Now David complained that the restaurant was not working out the way he wanted and that Dawn was drinking too much and not doing her job the way she was supposed to be. He said that Dawn was a sloppy mess at work and that it was embarrassing to have her in the restaurant while he was trying to start a business. Now David was reviewing the restaurant receipts and became angry when the receipts would not balance. He said, That bitch is stealing from me. Nobody steals from me. I will kill that bitch. And when Sagnino tried to calm him down by suggesting he send Don to rehab, David called him a pussy. Shortly after that, David and the other man left to go to a club and Stagnito went home. At around 11.01 p.m. that night, Donna called Kakassi on the phone. She told him she had some money saved and wanted to drop it off at the motorcycle shop. And she made plans to bring the money to him the following day. Later on that night, around 11.49 p.m., Don called Stagnito again. Now during the telephone conversation, Dagnito told Don that David was really upset and had accused her of stealing money from the restaurant. Now at that point, Don got very upset and started crying hysterically. Now, Dagnito and Don exchanged phone calls a few more times that night and talked about where David was and how David was going to get home. But then after that, Dagnito never heard from her again. And Don never showed up to drop off that money. Now on the morning of Monday, October 19th, 2009, David had a meeting with the employees at the Time Cafe. He appeared tired and upset and told them that Don would no longer be working at the restaurant and that they needed to come up with a new management system to keep the restaurant running smoothly. And he gave no reason for the change, like no reason why she wouldn't be coming back. 
Now, one of the employees at the restaurant was Kathy Galvin. She had been working at the restaurant for a few weeks as a part-time server. Now, during the time she worked with Don, Kathy observed how moody Don was, how Don got really upset and yelled at the staff when there was an error. And at the meeting, David asked Kathy to take some of Don's managerial duties. And as a result, Kathy began working at the restaurant on a full-time basis. On Tuesday, October 20th, 2009, Don was supposed to meet Karen at the hospital where she was undergoing treatment for cancer. And when Don didn't show up at the hospital, Karen and her husband decided to stop at the restaurant to check on her. Now when they got there, they didn't see Don, but they found her husband and he seemed upset and agitated. He did not seem himself. And as described by Karen, David didn't seem himself. He was drenched in sweat and he was very agitated. He seemed distraught and he had a large bandage on his hand. David told Karen that he and Don had a huge argument because she refused to go to rehab and that she had left him. David also told her that he had recently reviewed the receipts and he thinks that Don is stealing from him. And at David's request, Karen reviewed the receipts, but she only found a small cash shortage of about $25. Now Karen asked David whether Don had taken her belongings with her and why her car was still in the parking lot. And David had told her that Don had taken some luggage, but not her car because it was not registered or it wasn't working properly. David was very nervous when Karen was asking him questions about Don's whereabouts and appeared very irritated by all the questions. At one point, David said, good riddance in reference to Don. Three days later, on October 23rd, 2009, Karen asked David again about Don's whereabouts. And David told her that he had been communicating with Don via telephone and text messages and that she told him that he just, she just needed time away. So Karen asked David to have Don call her right away because she was very worried. That same afternoon, Karen received a text message from Don's cell phone stating that she just needed some time to herself. And the message contained a lot of spelling errors, which was unusual for Don. And one was signed, Love Pixie, spelled P-I-X-Y. And it was spelled P-I-X-I-E. Later on, Karen received another text message from Don's cell phone, which again contained several spelling errors. And again, Pixie was misspelled as P-I-X-Y, not P-I-X-I-E. The message stated that Don was moving back east and that she would get in touch with Karen once she was settled. Over the next several weeks, Karen tried to contact Don on her cell phone but could not reach her. And on multiple occasions, Karen asked David about Don's whereabouts. If you're looking for true crime merch with a great fit and feel, look no further. Crystal Kiss has a wide selection of clothes to brighten up your wardrobe. I like to wear clothes that make a fashion statement and says something about me. Like, our true crime and chocolate design describes me very well. I love chocolate and I love watching true crime, so they go hand in hand. Our hoodies are so soft and can be paired with one of our true crime joggers to make a super comfy outfit. Our true crime t-shirts fit true to size and last several washes. For our night out, throw on a pair of heels with one of our true crime leggings and a crop top. Whatever you're doing, Crystal Kiss has you covered. You people in the U.S., 
get free shipping when you order three or more items. You can also use discount code MURDER15, that's MURDER15, and save 15% off your entire order. Check out our wicked selection of True Crime merch today at crystalkiss.com. And he told her different stories about where she would be, who she's with. Kakasi even asked David about Don's whereabouts when he noticed that she was missing. And David told him that he fired Don because she was drinking on the job and making mistakes. A week after Dagnito last spoke to Don, he received a text message from her cell phone. The message stated that Don needed to leave town for a while and clear her head. David later on told Tagnito that Don refused to go to rehab and she had left him. And about two weeks after Don disappeared, Kathy Galvin moved in and they began a romantic relationship. Now when Kathy first visited their apartment, she noticed that all of Don's belongings were still there. But David assured Kathy that Don had left him and she is not coming back and that their marriage was over. In late October 2009, David called his daughter Jacqueline, who was at that time living in South Carolina, and asked her to come to Lomita to help him with the restaurant. And he made no mention of Don at that time. But later on, he told her that Don had taken off because they had a big fight. Now Jacqueline arrived in Lomita in early November of 2009, and she stayed for about six weeks. Now a day or two after she arrived, David asked her to pick up Don's clothes and place them in storage because Don was not coming back. At David's request, Kathy came over and helped Jacqueline move Don's belongings in the storage unit. And by mid-November 2009, Kathy moved in with David. And then later on, David showed Kathy and Jacqueline text messages he received from Don. And the text messages said, that Dawn still loved David, but she was leaving him. One night in late 2009, David and Jacqueline were driving home from the restaurant. They were both drunk and Jacqueline was smoking marijuana. As he was driving, David began crying and confessed to Jacqueline that Dawn was not coming back. According to David, he and Dawn had a huge fight at their apartment one night. David had taken a sleeping pill and asked Don to leave the room so he can sleep. But she kept badgering him and trying to talk. David moved a dresser in front of the bedroom door to keep Don out, but somehow she got back in the bedroom. David then brought Don into the living room, tied her up, restrained her mouth, and went back to bed. When David woke up the next morning, Don had died in her own vomit. David repeatedly told Jacqueline that it was an accident that he did not mean to kill her. He also said that Don's body would never be found. At David's request, Jacqueline sent a text message to one of Don's friends from Don's cell phone. And the text message said that Don was okay and she was starting over in Florida. Now after sending that text message, Jacqueline threw away Don's cell phone to protect her dad. Now Don was reported missing by her friends and family on November 18, 2009 but she was last seen on October 18th. David stated that they had an argument over her issues with alcohol and drugs and that she left him when he asked her to go to rehab. That's his story and he's sticking to it. But Don didn't take her car or the money that she left with her friend. And in the months following her disappearance, there was no activity on her bank account. 
and after new developments, the authorities considered Don's disappearance a homicide. Sergeant Richard Garcia led the homicide investigation. In October 2010, Sergeant Garcia arranged for a search of the Lomita apartment, but David and Kathy weren't living there anymore. Bloodstains were found on the bedroom wall and bathroom floor, but the samples were too degraded for testing. No other physical evidence was recovered from the Lomita apartment, and by February 2011, the authorities considered David a suspect in the murder of his wife. On February 22, 2011, Jacqueline was contacted by a couple of homicide investigators. During an interview with the detectives in South Carolina, Jacqueline disclosed what David had told her about Don's death. At the detective's request, Jacqueline had called her dad and told him that she had told authorities what he told her about Don's death. On the morning of February 23, 2011, David showed Kathy an article which indicated that Don's disappearance was now being investigated as a homicide. Now, after Kathy read the article, David told her that he's really sorry, but Don is not coming back. He also told her that it was an accident. Then David and Kathy got in the car, and David drove them to nearby cliffs. David was crying as he was driving, and he told Kathy that he was going to jump. A patrol car began following them, but David just sped up. Now, after stopping at a scenic overlook, David got out of the car and started walking to the edge, and Kathy followed him. David again apologized to Kathy about Don's death and said that no one was ever going to believe that it was an accident. He also said to tell his mother and brother that he loved them very much. Then, David jumped off the cliff. He was immediately rescued by police and transported to the hospital, and he survived his injuries. Sergeant Garcia executed search warrants on David's new residence, his mother's residence, and the Time Cafe. No physical evidence relating to Don's death was recovered. On March 1, 2011, Sergeant Garcia and his partner conducted a recorded interview with David in the hospital. During the interview, David said, On October 18, 2009, Don wanted to use cocaine with David. He agreed, but did not find the experience enjoyable. Later that night, he had got angry because he had caught Don stealing money from the business. And when he found her with the money, he snapped. David said he placed duct tape around her mouth, hands, and feet, left her on the living room floor, and fell asleep. He said Don did not cry, scream, or resist, and he did not recall seeing any blood. And when he woke up the next morning, Don was dead. During the second interview, David explained how he got rid of Don's body. David placed Don's body face down in a 55-gallon drum of boiling water. He told police, I just slowly cooked it, and I ended up cooking her for four days. What? Then, he took some of her remains, mixed it with some other trash at the restaurant, and poured it all into the grease pit at his establishment. Ew! He discarded some of her other remains in the dumpster behind the restaurant. David said that he kept Don's skull and jawbone at his mother's house, but a search turned up nothing. Now, in an earlier confession, he said that he placed her body in a garbage bag, drove it to the dumpster at the restaurant, and disposed of the remains in it. In September 2012, a jury convicted 49-year-old David of second-degree murder after about five hours of deliberation. Now, during his sentencing in March 2013, 
David claimed that he did not cook his wife. He stated that he didn't remember confessing to the police, like he was hallucinating or something. Nevertheless, he was sentenced to 15 years to life behind bars. Now David was denied parole in June of 2021. And as per prison records, he remained incarcerated at the California State Prison, Cochran Kings County. Oh my gosh, what an unbelievable story. He actually, like, what kind of a person can do that? Like, it takes a special kind of sick person to be able to cook somebody. Like, he placed her body in boiling water and cooked her for four days. And he said it like it was no big deal. That's just so disturbing. He's obviously a very sick individual. And he's exactly where he needs to be. And for everyone out there who knew Don, I'm very sorry for your loss. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Murder Speaks. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to check out my Patreon. I have a link down below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And I'll see you on the next one. Toodles! Thank you.